is here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Mark Levin here, our number 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. You recall March of 2017, how on this show I put together the activities that were going on with FISA, with the unmasking of Americans, with domestic surveillance of Trump world, and it's all come essentially true. Well, now we have questions that were put out. And you've heard about them all day long. Leaked to the New York Times. Questions that are be posed to the President of the United States by Mueller and his Democrat prosecutors. And there's all kinds of speculation out there. Did it come from Trump world? Did it come from his ex-lawyer? Did it come from Mueller? Who does it serve best? What's the purpose of all this? An obstruction charge. I know why you come to this program, because I really think about these things. I let these things blow over morning, noon. And then I take a fresh look at these things. Why do you think nearly 50 questions that the prosecutor wants to ask Donald Trump were leaked to the New York Times. And the answer is, well, I'm not going to give you the answer yet. We have an article that comes out last night, just in time for this morning, by Michael S. Schmidt in the New York Times, which lays out the questions that were leaked to the New York Times. On its heels, the same day, almost within the same hour, there's another article that appears, April 30th, by Michael Schmidt and another writer, Matt Apuzzo. They not only present the questions, or at least significant numbers of the questions, they provide the answers. They provide the arguments for why Mr. Mueller wants to know the answers to these questions. Isn't it amazing that within a few hours of each other, these articles, they not only had the questions, but they had the answers? Now, what's the purpose of that? Let me tell you what this is. This is the Bill of Particulars for impeachment. That's exactly what this is. That's exactly why it was leaked to the New York Times. That is exactly why the New York Times provides responses to every question. It is the impeachment of Donald Trump. You need to keep your eye on the ball. This is what it's about, impeaching Donald Trump. And these questions come out now, and they'll keep bleeding it through the summer, right through the midterm elections. Mr. Mueller leaked these questions. The Mueller team leaked these questions. Who's been doing all the leaking in the last 18 months? Comey? McCabe? Others at the FBI? (laughs) 
prosecutors in the Southern District of New York, and Mr. Mueller's office, always has a receptive ear at the New York Times and the Washington Post, among other places, CNN. CNN. The Trump team barely leaks. I'm sure there's some leaking going on in order to defend yourself, leak to leak. But think about this. Are the media friendly to Trump world? They hate him. They want his presidency the way to end the way Mussolini's dictatorship ended, with him hanging from a telephone pole by his foot naked. Because that's how they view him. They've said as much. So they're not going to field pro-Trump leaks in the hate Trump media at the New York Times. Trump's been out there trashing the New York Times. He's trashed their phony reporters. So now suddenly there's going to be a leak of the questions from Trump world to the New York Times, and they're going to play along with Trump world. So you check that off your list. It's irrational. It's illogical. Next point. Then who would want to leak this? And to what end? The end is impeachment. And... (coughs) Excuse me, folks. And... Everybody's waiting around for the Mueller report. The Republicans, the damn full Republicans, want to vote to protect Mueller, the leaker. The rogue prosecutor, responsible to nobody except the rogue Deputy Attorney General Rosenstein. So when you use the logic, when you move through the rational possibilities, there's only one possibility. The New York Times wants to destroy Trump and they want to promote Mueller. Mueller's team or somebody connected to Mueller's team leaked the information. We know Comey knows how to do it. Comey had his memo or his information leaked through his law professor friend. We later find out he actually hired the guy to the New York Times. They're very good at leaking these prosecutors, these top echelon FBI types. They're good leakers, and they've been around forever. Mueller's been around forever. He was director of the FBI. He was a United States attorney. He's made connections all throughout the media. Have you seen a single negative article about Mueller from any liberal media platform, whether it's on the Internet? whether it's hard newspaper, whether it's on network TV, cable TV, that would be CNN, MSNBC, or satellite TV, you haven't seen a single negative story about Mueller. Isn't that remarkable? And you never saw the end to the negative stories about Ken Starr. They are a mouthpiece for Mueller. These questions were leaked by the Mueller operation however they leaked them, to their favorite newspaper, the New York Times, which listed the questions and then provided the support for the questions in an article that came out one on top of the next. So they had these questions for some time. They developed their responses on why Mr. Mueller would want to know the answers. And lost through all of this is any notion of justice whatsoever. With prosecutors leaking 
prosecutors undermining the, the um, you know, the funny thing is, sir, who's obstructing justice? Mueller and his guys are obstructing justice, aren't they? Absolutely incredible. And listen to the nature of the questions. These are all intended for impeachment. What did you know about phone calls that Mr. Flynn made with the Russian ambassador in late December 2016? And the New York Times explains why this is crucial. What was your reaction to news reports on January 12, 2017 and February 8 through 9, 2017? This is where uh, the calls by Flynn or with Flynn and the ambassador were revealed. What did you know about Sally Yates' meeting about Mr. Flynn? Now, this, of course, has been in the media. What was your opinion of Mr. Comey during the transition? This is incredible. This is incredible. You see, we're far afield now. This has nothing to do with collusion. Nothing to do with collusion whatsoever. Everything to do with obstruction of justice, lamely so, unconstitutionally so. But that is the basis for impeachment. And that's why, really, this prosecutor and the media are working hand-in-hand with the congressional Democrats. And they are desperate to take the House of Representatives. What was your opinion of Mr. Comey during the transition? So here we have Mueller coming to the defense of his best friend. And of course, it's none of a prosecutor's business what his opinion of Comey was during the transition. Do you understand the trampling here on the Constitution? The president is a constitutional officer. To have a prosecutor who was appointed by the Deputy Attorney General of the United States to be questioning the president about presidential decisions that have nothing to do with crimes of any kind is a setup for impeachment. What was your reaction to Mr. Comey's briefing that day about other intelligence matters? So this is Comey working with Mueller to get Trump. What was the purpose of your January 27, 2017 dinner with Mr. Comey and what was said? It's none of the prosecutor's business. And the irony here is, Mr. Mueller's at least theoretical boss is the Deputy Attorney General of the United States, Mr. Rosenstein. Has Mr. Rosenstein been interviewed by Mr. Mueller? Because it's Mr. Rosenstein who recommended that Mr. Comey be fired. And he never recused himself. A complete setup. What was the purpose of your February 14, excuse me, 2017 meeting with Mr. Comey? And what was said? Now, this again is an attempt for obstruction because it will always be a he said, he said, or he didn't remember. And so they want a list of a hundred examples where the president's memory wasn't exact, where it conflicts with somebody else's thought, where it conflicts with some email or some text or something like that, because they've spent now over a year amassing hundreds of thousands of pages of information, interviewing scores and scores of people, and then they go to the president, who's an enormously busy man with a lot on his mind, and even during the campaign isn't involved in every intricate detail of what's going on, and vicious, evil, vile prosecutors, which all prosecutors are not, by the way, but these are. 
can take that information and spin a tale. Spin a tale of, quote, possible obstruction, an appearance of obstruction, a pattern of deception, a pattern of false statements. And you see it right here with what was leaked to the prosecu- by the prosecution to their favorite newspaper. What did you think and do about Mr. Comey's May 3, 2017 testimony? Like the President of the United States can remember even what they're talking about, even though it's not relevant to anything? Regarding the decision to fire Mr. Comey, when was it made? Why? Who played a role? What did you mean when you told Russian diplomats on May 10, 2017 that firing Mr. Comey had taken the pressure off? This is all intended to build the impeachment case for obstruction. Nothing more, nothing less. But it's crucially important that you understand the coup attempt that's going on in this country. It's one wave of attack after another wave of attack. What was the purpose of your May 12, 2017 tweet? His tweet? What did you think about Mr. Comey's June... Look at all the attention on Mr. Comey. What did you think about Mr. Comey's June 8, 2017 testimony regarding Mr. Flynn? And what did you do about it? Who cares? After he was fired, you know, Mr. Comey testified about his conversations with Mr. Trump and described him as preoccupied with the FBI's investigation in Russia. Trump called him a liar. You know, what was the purpose of the September and October 2017 statements, including tweets regarding investigation of Mr. Comey? So now a president of the United States can be questioned by a prosecutor about his tweets? What was your intention? What did you mean? This is a criminal prosecutor. Where are the crimes? Where are the crimes? He's trying to concoct crimes. He's trying to concoct nothing but a basement for a, a basis for impeachment. That is exactly what this is all about. The leaked questions, the New York Times, quick to the trigger. They couldn't even wait a day or two or three. Quick to the trigger to explain why every one of these questions is important to the prosecutor. Now, why the hell would the Trump team leak that? It doesn't make any sense. What is the reason for your continued criticism of Mr. Comey and his former deputy, Andrew McCabe? Is that an appropriate question for a prosecutor? What did you think and do regarding the recusal of Mr. Sessions? What efforts did you make to try to get him to change his mind? all again intended to build a false narrative. That the president spent his every waking hour organizing opposition to the Russian investigation, going after Sessions, going after Comey, going after Yates, going over after McCabe. Did you discuss whether Mr. Sessions would protect you and reference past attorneys general? What did you think and what did you do in reaction to the news of the appointment? It goes on and on and on. Mr. President, do not answer these questions. They are illegitimate. The entire purpose is illegitimate. Mr. Mueller, 
is conducting an impeachment inquiry for the Democrats in the House of Representatives, given voice by the United States media. Do not participate. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. What this should do, ladies and gentlemen, is absolutely infuriate you. You should be at a level of fury that is really unimaginable. They're laying out an impeachment case against your president who has done absolutely nothing wrong. Because if he's done something wrong, you would already know about it. You would need questions like this. All process questions. All inappropriate questions, quite frankly. Asking a president about his tweets, about his conversations with Comey, his subordinate, about his... his. Uh, Disgruntlement with Sessions and so forth and so on. He's the President of the United States. These are his people. He's free to do as he wishes. The idea that the Russia investigation has been slowed down. Can somebody tell me how in any respect it's been slowed down? Have the committee's been obstructed? Has Mr. Mr. Mueller been obstructed? Was justice before then obstructed? Of course not. So what crime exactly has this president committed? None. I'll be back. Levin, making conservatism great again. Dial in now, 877-381-3811. Now, to show you how partisan and non-factual this prosecutor's office is, Joel Pollack at Breitbart is a very excellent piece up there. And as he points out, most of the questions had nothing to do with allegations that the Trump campaign colluded with Russia. They're focused on, as I've pointed out, obstruction. And he says, the questions seem to ignore arguments that the president cannot obstruct justice when he acts in furtherance of his constitutional duties, or indeed that there is no underlying crime to conceal. Yes, and we've all said this for some time. The point is, Mueller doesn't care. It's enough for him to make the allegations. It's enough for him to issue a report, which he says he's going to do, which is also extraordinary, because a normal prosecutor is forbidden from issuing a report. The only speaking they do is in the courtroom. Because it is hugely un-American and hugely unfair to put out a report against somebody who isn't charged with a crime. And in this case, the President of the United States, and I'll say it over and over and over again until the backbenchers on cable and the backbenchers on radio repeat it because they need to repeat this. You're going to steal from me, steal this. According to two... Memoranda from the United States Department of Justice, the Nixon administration and the Clinton administration, from the the Office of Legal Counsel. It is unconstitutional, the official position of the Justice Department, either under Sessions and Rosenstein, oh yes, to indict a sitting president. So if Comey tries that, He knows there'll be a constitutional challenge, which he will lose. But he doesn't care because it still plays out and damages the president. The more 
clever move by him is to not even do it and to simply say we would charge him but we cannot due to these these uh, notes these uh, these opinions from the department of justice therefore we simply lay out the case to the american people and by that he means lay out the case to the piranha that are the democrats in the house of representatives i've got it all figured out you can see what's going on here anyway Pollock goes on. One of the questions in particular seems based on a faulty premise. A conspiracy theory that Trump intervened in the process of drafting the Republican Party's 2016 platform to weaken its stance on Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Let's stop there. So what if he did? So what? But he didn't. The New York Times presents the question followed by its own explanation as to why it's relevant. What involvement did you have concerning platform changes regarding arming Ukraine? Why does a prosecutor get to ask a president this question? A portion of the Republican platform, writes the New York Times, was changed in a way more favorable to Russia. The Times' explanation is false, as the assumption upon which Mueller's question appears to have been based The conspiracy theory was debunked by Washington Examiner columnist Byron York in an extensive investigative article in March 2017 titled How Pundits Got Key Part of Trump-Russia Story All Wrong. And he explained that the Republican platform not only retained its criticism of Russian policy in the Ukraine, but that these were made even stronger during the process of drafting, including their instructions were allegedly received from New York. Because these questions aren't intended. Look, look, they know the answers. The president doesn't remember all these issues. He can't possibly. The details with which they're demanding that he provide them. They want to know his thinking behind tweets. They want to know what he thought about a meeting he was in with a particular individual because they already have that individual's thinking about that particular meeting. They want to know about the multiple meetings he had with Comey and what was said and what he thought. And we know Comey's a serial liar. And we know Mueller's in Comey's camp. Comey said he wanted a special counsel appointed. That's why there's a Mueller. Mueller has never questioned Comey. Mueller has never questioned Rosenstein, who recommended Comey's firing. Have you also noticed Comey never criticizes Rosenstein, who wrote the memo to fire him? Isn't that curious to you? And as a caller mentioned here the other day, and they were correct, isn't it also interesting that Mueller was actually interviewed by the President of the United States to be possible FBI director? He decided no. And the next day, Mueller's chosen by Rosenstein to be the special counsel? I would love to question these people. You know, James Comey's out there doing interview after interview after interview, right? He will not come on my show. He will not come on my show. Meanwhile, he says the President of the United States should answer all the questions. Well, why would the President listen to a vile, moron, malcontent, leaker, and liar like James Comey? Why would he take his advice? 
is a viper. But big, tough James Comey won't come on this program. Big, tough Rod Rosenstein won't come on this program. I said I'd treat them with respect, which I absolutely would, although I have none for either of them. But I've got real, solid, tough questions for these men. And they're not even subject to prosecution if they answer them. But the president should answer Mueller, who's setting him up. Because of Comey. And because of Mueller himself. Well, Mueller is a Republican, don't you know? Really? Mueller's a Republican. Well, that changes everything. You mean he's a Republican like, say, uh, Susan Collins? You know, he is from the Boston area. Oh, he's a, uh, he's a Republican like, say, who? Lisa Murkowski? Jeff Flake? All kinds of Republicans. I refer to those types of Republicans as Republicans for a reason. Why does it matter what party they belong to? Lawrence Walsh who spent eight years trying to take out Ronald Reagan and his administration. He was a Republican, too. He was Deputy Attorney General at one point in Dwight Eisenhower's Justice Department. Who cares? John Kasich's a Republican. Who cares? Yet that's the argument the Democrats give. Yes. What's the old line? Wolves in sheep's clothing. Donkeys in elephant's clothing. This is very, very telling. It's being misread all over the country by various media outlets and opinion makers. It's being misread what just took place here last night and throughout the day. You've got to ignore all the static, all the static, and think for yourself. This is an impeachment process. That's what Mueller's up to. That's what he's up to. And let me tell you something else. That's what Rod Rosenstein's up to, too. Rod Rosenstein wants his president impeached, or he wouldn't have done any of this. He wouldn't have appointed Mueller. He wouldn't have appointed Mueller. He wouldn't have extended the FISA uh, FISA applications, which were based on a false dossier opposition research paid by the Hillary Clinton campaign and the DNC. He wants Trump impeached. He's perfectly happy to work for a Pence presidency or or whomever presidency. He doesn't care. He's a bureaucrat. And he looks like a bureaucrat with the round glasses and the, uh, and the pencil neck and, the, uh, and the, uh, the greasy hair and all that. He looks like your typical bureaucrat. And Mueller looks like your typical mobster, quite frankly. Your New England mobster. No offense. With all due respect, none. That's what he looks like to me. Shoes on the other foot right now. Who are the good guys and who are the bad guys? Mr. Rosenstein, Mr. Mueller, and his band of merry Democrat prosecutors have done more and are doing more to undermine this nation than the Russians could ever do. The Obama administration's interference in the last election through the FBI, through the intelligence services, through their, their leaks, their unmasking, their investigations, did more to interfere with the last election than the Russians did. And the Russians did interfere with our last election, to no avail, but they did interfere. And the one man who wouldn't do anything to stop the Russians was Barack Obama. And he's not questioned 
at all. I notice among the 49 questions that Mr. Mueller's office leaked to the New York Times, there's not a single question in there. What did you think about Hillary Clinton and the DNC funding the dossier when you heard about it? Did that upset you? Tell me, what did you think when that opposition research in the form of the dossier was used for a FISA application to eavesdrop on an American citizen with a minor uh, connection to your campaign? Did that concern you? Tell me, when Mr. Rosenstein sent a memo recommending that you fire Mr. Comey, what did you think about that? Did you think Mr. Rosenstein wanted to interfere with the investigation of Russia? What did you think about that? Tell me, Mr. Trump, when you found out that Susan Rice and Samantha Power on the Obama administration were unmasking American citizens and some of their names happened to leak to the media, did that concern you, Mr. Trump? Not a one damn question about any of it. Tell me, Mr. Trump, when the FBI hired... Christopher Steele, knowing full well that he was unreliable and then quickly dismissed him. Did that concern you, Mr. Trump? Tell me, Mr. Trump, when Mr. Mueller was the director of the FBI and Hillary Clinton was Secretary of State and 20% of America's uranium left the control of the United States and was delivered to the control of Vladimir Putin, did that concern you, Mr. President? Nothing even close. This is not an investigation into Russian interference in our election. This is an investigation of Donald Trump, and it always has been. It's also an investigation of aspects of the Republican Party. But the Republican Party is too stupid and too cowardly to stand up for itself. Instead, Chuck Rassley and Lindsey Graham and some jerk named Tom Tillis and another one. Oh, yes, Flake. Vote to protect Mr. Mueller, which, of course, is unconstitutional. The idiots take an oath, swear to God to uphold the Constitution, and then vote to undermine it. Congress can't prevent a president from firing a subordinate that little thing called separation of powers. Hey, Lindsey, has there been a weekend when Lindsey Graham hasn't been on TV? Can somebody tell me? Does this guy have no life whatsoever? Doesn't he date? Doesn't he do anything? Seriously, does he have a family? I don't even know anything about this guy. Hey, Lindsey Graham. Goober. It's another one who won't come on the program. And by the way, There's a reason for that. Well, Mark, you're not nice to them. No, I reach a point where I humiliate them. I reach a point where I take them on. We've tried in advance. That's not why they won't come on, because they know I know who they are, what they are, and what they're about. That's why they don't come on. Mr. Tough Guy Comey will never come on this show. Instead, he'll go in front of 15 and 16-year-olds. Hey, 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 uh, Director Comey, yes. Tell me, tell me why I shouldn't hate Donald Trump. Yay! Yay! That was a great one. 
That was a great one. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. You know, falling into bed has taken on a whole new meaning ever since I started sleeping on my Casper mattress. You know, their engineers have created an exceptionally comfortable sleep experience. Some companies have now popped up and they're trying to copy the engineering. The copycats never win. It's the original thinkers, the cutting-edge people. They're the ones who make the difference. And in the case of Casper, make the greatest mattress I've ever slept on. Get one and you'll understand why it's the Internet's favorite mattress. Casper has created three unique mattresses to help you sleep cool and comfortably year-round. The Wave is engineered to relieve pressure at 36 different points. The Casper mattress is more breathable and comfortable than ever. And the Essential mattress is innovation at a great price point. All of them are designed to coddle and comfort your every move. And they all provide the perfect support for every position you sleep in. Find out why Casper has hundreds of thousands of happy customers like me, like my entire family. They even have a mattress for dogs. And my brother Doug has been here, and I pointed out, look at Barney. What's he sleeping on? His Casper mattress. He loves it. And Barney has a bad back, too. So try your Casper Casper mattress for 100 nights in your home with free shipping and returns, and find out why hundreds of thousands of customers like me are happy. And I'm quite serious about this. Take your current mattress, lean it against the wall, order the Casper, try it out, and I know what you'll do. You'll get rid of the other mattress and you'll keep your Casper. But there's no, there's no reason not to. There's no risk. You try your mattress for 100 nights in your own home with free shipping and returns. Go to casper.com slash mark and use code mark to save $50 on the purchase of select mattresses. That's casper.com slash mark, code mark, to save 50 bucks. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. They're already great, priced greatly. I mean, they're already a deal. And when you sleep on them, you listen, you folks out there who have them and sleeping on them, you know exactly what I'm talking about, don't you? That's casper.com slash mark, use code mark. How much time do I have, Rich? All right. Do we have time for... No, we don't. When we come back, I want you to hear this Rod Rosenstein. As I would say in Yiddish, this nebish. And Rod Rosenstein, I suspect he knows what I mean by the word nebish. He's a real tough guy when it comes to defending the bureaucracy and his friend Mueller and, of course, himself. But when it comes to defending the Constitution and the rule of law, he's a very confused man. He seems to think whatever he does and whatever his dear friend Mueller does is defending the Constitution and the rule of law. No, that's not what it is. It's not what it is. And it was up to Rosenstein when he decided to pick his friend Mueller and Comey's best friend Mueller for reasons he has yet to explain. It was up to Rosenstein to manage Mueller. Even Jeff Sessions said the other day that things seem to have gotten a bit out of control. But not in Rosenstein's eye. Everything is moving along perfectly. Look at it his way. If he's removed from office, he can do a book deal and make three, four, five million dollars too. 
plus get a lifelong career pension. There's no downside for him. And if he stays in office, and if Trump is impeached and removed, what does he care? He'll be Deputy Attorney General because he's an untouchable. Let me ask you a question. I asked you this about Mueller, right? Have you seen a single negative story about Mueller in any liberal news media outlet? Not one. Have you seen a single negative story on Rosenstein since he picked Mueller as special counsel in any liberal media outlet? I very much doubt it. I'll be right back. Broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. Well, in this segment, I'll wrap up. What I began in the first hour, and then I want to move on to a couple other issues, including the Democrat Party and much of the American media in the bed with Iran. And this growing anti-Israel, even anti-Semitism within the Democrat Party and the media in this country. And you don't have to be Jewish to see this. Evangelical Christians, atheists, anybody who really looks at this. It used to be relatively bipartisan in this country. Support for this tiny little democracy in the middle of one hellhole after another that has done nothing but support us and we have done nothing but support them. That's what allies do. But there is a growing hatred within the Democrat Party. And let us be honest, and I'm going to be honest, let the chips fall where they may. Much of this has to do with new immigrants coming into this country from Muslim countries and Arab countries, not solely. And much of it has to do with a a shared mindset among the far left and the alt-right in their contempt for the Jewish faith in Israel. And some of these people are Jewish, like Bernie Sanders. And in my view, an entire organization called J Street. And the Democrat Party used to play footsie with this radical element, now it embraces them. Just as the Democrat Party embraces the Nation of Islam and Louis Farrakhan. The Democrat Party refuses to denounce Louis Farrakhan. It has refused to denounce Louis Farrakhan for decades. And the Congressional Black Caucus would object to denouncing Louis Farrakhan in the Nation of Islam. I'm letting it fall, folks. I'm laying it out for you. They came close to electing as chairman of the Democrat National Committee, Keith Ellison, who used to go by Keith X., Because of his support for Farrakhan and his libel against Jews in Israel. A Democrat party that embraces Sharpton. And all you have to do is Google on your own 
to know who Sharpton is and what Sharpton was. And there he is on MSNBC, a host. And you can see it playing out. As Netanyahu went public with half a ton of original documents, CDs, blueprints that they grabbed from the Iranians. And what's the answer of the Democrats? The media? And some Republicans like Corker? Oh, we knew all that. You knew all this and you never told the American people? You had all of this? And you never presented it to the American people? You are lying scum. You are lying scum to get this deal? And you are lying scum now. You've endangered my children and my grandchildren and everybody's children and grandchildren across the globe with this radical Islamo-Nazi regime in Tehran, building ICBMs to put nuclear warheads? How much more do they have to warn us that they hate us and they want to destroy us? But I'll get into that in a minute. And I mean every damn word I just said. Our college campuses across this country... Jewish organizations under attack. A whole movement has been funded in this country, in our colleges and universities. Shutting down free speech. Shutting down pro-Americanism. Shutting down people who support the state of Israel. Not even allowed to have a debate. This is the Marxist ideology at work and the Alinskyite tactics. Take my word for this. Rod Rosenstein was at the, the uh, museum in Washington, D.C. today. I guess he was there to talk about freedom of speech. Because I don't know about you, but throughout my life of 60 years, Rod Rosenstein has been a fighter for free speech. Hasn't he, hasn't he been yours, too? No, I never heard of the jerk before, quite frankly. And here is the question and answer that's relevant to us. Cut 11. Go. As you think about the importance of separation of powers uh, on Law Day here, any reaction to the news that certain members of the House Freedom Caucus have talked about drafting up articles of impeachment despite your best efforts to comply with their documents? All right, let, let's stop right here. Notice when it comes to separation of powers, the genius reporter doesn't ask, aren't you concerned that when the Judiciary Committee votes out a bill to prevent the President of the United States from firing the special counsel, that that violates separation of powers? Isn't it fascinating that she doesn't ask that question? No, that the Congress might impeach the Deputy Attorney General of the United States, which is a constitutional power. There she says, aren't you worried about separation of powers? Now let's listen to the genius Rosenstein. Go. <laughs> they can't even resist leaking their own drafts. All right, so stop. So he's mocking these members of Congress because he feels very sure and comfortable in knowing that they're a minority 
within the majority, and that the press is on his side. So there's this mocking laughter. He's not asked, didn't you write the original memo to fire Comey? Why are you even involved in this? No, but it's a reporter. So as we know, a lot of the words I've said that may have been legitimate in the past are the reverse of what they originally meant today, right? So when you call many of these people reporters, they're not reporters at all. They're just liberals. Go ahead. (laughs) I saw that draft. I mean, I don't know who wrote it. Uh, It really does illustrate, though, a really important principle about the rule of law and the distinction between the way we operate in the department. And we make mistakes. That's not to say we're flawless. But the way we operate in the Department of Justice, if we can accuse somebody of wrongdoing, we have to have admissible evidence and credible witnesses. Really? Is that what happened in the anthrax case? When you went after the wrong guy for five years and ruined his life and had to pay him over $5 million. Is that what happened in the Ted Stevens case? When you cost the man his election, his fortune, and later as a private citizen he would die in a terrible, tragic plane crash. I can't count the number of times the Department of Justice has been unjust. And to just dismiss it as, you know, we're not perfect, we, we said, but, you know, we always follow law. No, you don't. And in this case in particular, you sanctimonious coward. Go ahead. Prove our case in court, and we have to affix our signature to the charging document. That's something that not everybody appreciates. Uh, there's a lot of talk about FISA applications, and many people that I, I see talking about it seem not to recognize uh, what a All right, let's stop. Uh, are you talking about me, a former chief justice, a chief of staff to the United States Attorney General? I think I know how FISA application works. I know how FISA applications work before you ever were at Maine Justice. But let's see. Let him see. Let's see if he corrects us. Go ahead. Application is actually a warrant, just like a search warrant. Uh, in order to get a FISA uh, search warrant, you need an affidavit. Okay, let, let's stop. It's not like a search warrant. You get a search warrant in a criminal case. The test is completely different. It's probable cause, paraphrasing, probable cause that somebody has committed an offense, a crime. In a counterintelligence case, which is the basis for a FISA warrant, it's probable cause that somebody is a foreign agent or working for another country as a foreign agent. They're totally different. Now, who was he educating about FISA warrants? I'm trying to remember this. Go ahead. A federal law enforcement officer who swears that the information in the affidavit is true and correct to the best of his knowledge and belief. Uh, and that's the way we operate. And if it's wrong, sometimes it is, if you find out there's anything incorrect in there, that person is going to face consequences. Sometimes- well, you're the person, pal. You supported the extension of the application. You haven't faced any consequences. You never told that federal judge, you never told the FISA court who funded that dossier. Do you deny it? Are there consequences? None. None for him. Go ahead. Innocent errors. Uh, But if not, you can face discipline or potentially even prosecution. So So who has faced discipline and potential prosecution? Matter of fact, 
And of all the FISA warrants that have been issued, who has ever faced disciplinary action and prosecution? Whom? I mean, it wasn't Mr. Rosenstein who told us who funded the dossier. Mr. Comey said he didn't even care who funded the dossier. It wasn't even relevant to tell the judge. Really? Now that is BS. That's BS. Go ahead. That's the way we operate. You know, we, we have people who are accountable. And so I just don't have anything to say about documents like that, uh, that nobody has the courage to put their name on uh, and that they leak in that way. But I can tell you, you know, there have been people who have been uh, uh, making threats privately and publicly uh, against me uh, for quite some time. And I think they should understand. Oh, shut up, you idiot. It's not like you've gone off the war and you're actually fighting for the country or you're putting your life on the line or your neck on the line. You're protected for the rest of your life. You know it, you jerk. You got the media on your side. You've been working the media your whole career. You've been working the media as Deputy Attorney General of the United States. You should have recused yourself. You're the one that suggested that Comey be fired. You're the one who appointed Mueller right after Mueller was turned down for FBI director. You're up to your eyeballs in this crap. And you know you're protected. It is you who threaten the nation. It is you who extort the nation. Not the other way around. Mark Lovin. the ambassador from Israel on the program. I told you as I went through in great detail the Netanyahu speech and the massive amounts of evidence that they found of the Iranian nuclear program and the lies that serve as the foundational basis for the outrageous nuclear deal where we actually paid money to the Iranians. And of course, they could use that for all kinds of military activities and so forth. And I told you then, the Democrats and the Obama former staffers and the others were already saying, oh, that's old news. We already knew all this. So they lied to us. The Iranians lied to us. The Obama administration lied to us. Their surrogates lied to us. The media lied to us. Bob Corker lied to us. Do you ever remember them presenting information of this kind to the American people in any public forum? Laying out the case for what Iran was doing? No, they never did it because it would have undermined their negotiations. They had to go along with the big lie in order to sell the big lie to us. The secret side deals that a Politico reporter reported, and I don't even know where that reporter is anymore. We can't find them. In an extensive investigative report, two of them, Totally ignored by CNN, by MSNBC, NBC, ABC, CBS, and all the rest of the crap out there. Now, what did I tell you at the top of the hour about the similarities between the alt-right and the Obama administration? That is the left, Carter, Bernie Sanders. And their hatred for the state of Israel. Their flat out hatred. I don't care how they dress it up. The proof, they say, is in the pudding. Now, a perfect example. One of the worst Democrat families, the Cuomo family. 
from the old man, that's right, I said it, to the governor of New York, complete creep, moron, to the stupid youngest brother on CNN. And in order to work for CNN, you have to be liberal, and your IQ has to hit the bottom. And they hit a goldmine with Chris Cuomo. And he's on CNN today. And the Prime Minister of Israel's on there. And Chris Cuomo is a special pleader for the terrorist genocidal regime in Tehran that slaughters its own people, that kills gays, that rapes college girls, does all kinds of stuff that you would think would concern Chris Cuomo. Now in Israel, Arabs, Muslims, have citizenship, have due process, the same protection as Jews and Christians. They protect Arab and Muslim sites. They're not throwing gays off roofs. They allow same-sex marriage. They don't punish people because of their religion. But Chris Cuomo creates a a notion of relativism between the regime in Iran and the government in Israel. That's how sick he is. That's how sick the left is. Because Obama cut this deal, then they must defend it at all costs. And Obama hates Israel. That's why he was buddies with Khalidi, the notorious Professor Khalidi. And his ties and his wife's ties to Hamas, a terrorist organization. But you're not going to get this information from Cuomo. You want to know why? Because this makes up the Democrat constituent group now. The Farrakhan wing, the Khalidi wing, and you got the Jimmy Carter wing, the Bernie Sanders wing, the Obama wing, and this schmo the Senate Minority Leader, Schumer, he's perfectly fine with it. Doesn't raise any objections. Not a word. No big deal. Now, when we come back after the break, I want you to hear this extraordinary, meaning disgusting, interview by the disgusting moron Chris Cuomo on CNN Today. He's trying to show his tough chops and how he interviews the Prime Minister of Israel and how he's a special pleader for Iran. This is how bad it is, folks. I'll be right back. America's Constitutional Convention, The Mark Levin Show. Call in now, 877-381-3811. Got that right, baby. FEMA's practicing, did you know this? FEMA's practicing for an Atlanta hurricane strike right now off the Atlantic Ocean, hoping to avoid a repeat of last year's devastation with as many as five U.S. landfalls predicted for this year. And I happen to have a home near this area, too, as do my parents. Luckily, we can keep an eye on things like hurricanes, but threats like earthquakes and cyber terrorism, well, they often come without warning, don't they? 
No matter the emergency, we must prepare now before it's too late. This is the week to build your emergency food supply. This isn't some kooky, crazy idea. Let the liberals go without food. You don't have to do it. Get this special offer from my friends at My Patriot Supply. Buy a two-week emergency food kit and get one free. All right? That's a big deal. Buy one, get one free. You can do it right now. Call 800-294-2325 or order online at preparewithmark.com. Now, this food lasts up to 25 years in storage, so it'll be good for most of us for the rest of our lifetime. 25 years is a long time. Both two-week emergency food kits are shipped free, discreetly to your home. Supplies of this buy one, get one are limited. Hello, this is limited. So do it right now in preparation for the worst. You can't get it when the hurricane hits. You can't get it when the emergency hits. You'll have no way of communicating, no way for delivery. So you prepare now. 800-294-2325 or preparewithmark.com. One more time. 800-294-2325 or preparewithmark.com. All right. Chris Cuomo of the Cuomo Democrat family of New York. Just never forget it. He's a hack. But what he does here is not only self-humiliating and enormously disrespectful, but it reveals who he is, who his brother is, what his family is, and what his party is. Cut one. Netanyahu guest with Chris Cuomo, CNN Go. The idea of disclosure, Iran won't tell the truth. We had to go in there, you know, is Israel's position and steal this information so we can know the truth. Disclosure as an issue should work every way. The United States should say what it has. You know where I'm going with this. Why should the United States say what it has? If it's a, com- a comparison between the United States and our enemies? Really? Do we not have a more righteous governing system? Do we not have a more righteous view towards the individual and liberty and the civil society? So the United States should disclose its secrets? Does this make sense to anybody unless it's in our strategic interest? Why would we do that? This is what happens when you sit your fat ass in a CNN studio day in and day out and don't have a pulse of the real world and have never done anything serious like work in the Justice Department, like a real job in the private sector. And I don't know. I don't know that the Cuomo boys have done anything but politics and journalism, which apparently is one and the same to these guys. Go ahead. For you. Does Israel have nuclear capabilities and nuclear weapons? Yes or no? Uh, we've always said that we won't be the first to introduce it, so we haven't introduced it. But that's and not an answer to the question. Do you have them or do you not? Of any country. It's as good an answer as you're going to get, but I'll tell you one thing, Chris, and I think it's important. You know, Iran signed the NPT. Iran signed all sorts of uh, commitments. NPT is the Non-Proliferation Agreement. 
non-proliferation agreement. So Cuomo puts the United States and Israel at a level with Iran. Tell me, would you put the United States at a level with the Third Reich? How about Stalin and his Soviet Union? This is a severely dense individual who thinks he's particularly smart and intellectual. And yet he exposes himself as a damn fool. Go ahead. Of this nuclear weapons program, and Iran calls daily for the annihilation of my country. Absolutely. We don't do that. We understand that there is an existential threat from Iran and others. We understand. No, that- stop that. It's like, hey, we, hey, look, hey, we understand there's an existential threat with Iran. Hey, by the way, hey, 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 did you see the movie last week that we saw? You know, he doesn't understand it. He doesn't digest it. He doesn't take the time to comprehend it. You've got a leader of a country that has to defend itself from a genocidal regime that is slaughtering its own people, slaughtering people in Syria, slaughtering people in Yemen, has slaughtered our troops in Iraq, took hostages, American hostages, still has Americans in its prisons, and this is how he talks. He has more of an affinity for the Islamo-Nazi regime in Tehran than he does for the Trump administration or the Netanyahu administration. Go ahead. For lying on this issue, that's one of the big motivating factors for the deal in uh, 2015, as it was explained to us. But what I'm saying is if disclosure matters so much, what message does it send when you won't confirm something that is widely believed by the entire international community, how does that inspire the spirit of disclosure? I, I said that the, I said that the, it's not the spirit of disclosure; it's commitment, <laughs> specific written commitment by Iran as part of the deal to disclose what it has. Iran. Yeah, let me let me help Cuomo here a second, then I want to hear the rest of what the prime minister has to say. You see, Chris, this is the deal. In order to get the deal. Iran lied about what it had. Iran lied about what it did. Iran concealed it from the United Nations. Iran concealed it from the United States. Iran concealed it from Europe. Iran concealed it from your Russian friends, you know, the collusion guys, in order to get the deal. Which, as you'll hear later, when you have people like Corker and other Democrats, oh, I said and other Democrats, saying we already knew all this, they concealed it from the American people. If they already knew about all this, they lied to us to get this deal. Go ahead. That specific commitment. I understand, but you know what their take on it is, is that you won't even confirm that you have nuclear weapons when the world already believes that you do. Why? Why keep that quiet? Well, you... you can make all your assumptions. One thing is clear. Israel is not threatening the annihilation of any country... You know, this is like the battle of the titan versus the mental midget. Netanyahu, the the titan, Chris Cuomo, the mental midget. And he's left talking about the spirit of disclosure. Inspire the spirit of disclosure from the Iranian regime. Is Chris Cuomo a secret member of the alt-right Is Barack Obama a secret member of the alt-right? 
How about Bernie Sanders? How about Jimmy Carter? What I mean by that? What do I mean by that? They seem to share a similar attitude or mental condition when it comes to Israel. So Israel surrounded by all these enemies. And Israel should disclose its nuclear program to its enemies. Israel doesn't threaten to take out Iran. Israel doesn't threaten to take out Lebanon. Israel doesn't threaten to take out any of its neighbors. Because guess what, ladies and gentlemen? If Israel wanted to take out any of its neighbors, it would have done it a long time ago. Israel was attacked in two wars in the last 50 years. Actually, many more, but two big wars. The Yom Kippur War and the Six-Day War. And they won both, to the enormous surprise of the entire world. If Israel wanted to devour Lebanon, Jordan, or any of these countries, it would have done so a long time ago. Let me even go further. If Israel had the mindset of Iran, it would have slaughtered all the Palestinians by now. It would have slaughtered. If Israel had the mindset of Russia when it comes to the Chechnyans, it would have slaughtered all the Russians by now. If Israel had the mindset of the Chinese when it comes to Christians or people that don't bend, it would have slaughtered all the Palestinians by now. But it doesn't. It outarms them, it outguns them. And Chris, your question should have been, here, let me help you out, low IQ. One of your questions should have been, hey, you know, the rumor is you guys have nukes, and yet you haven't used them against Iran. What say you, Mr. Prime Minister? That's a different way to ask the question. Much like the United States. We are not warmongers. Sorry, Rand Paul. Sorry, Pat Buchanan. We are not colonialists. We are not imperialists. We are not looking a fight to fight every damn country. Now, we have the radical interventionists in the Republican Party and some of the Democrat Party. They're on the fringes. Donald Trump is not one of them. They're on the fringes. But there's your Chris Cuomo pointing out exactly what I'm talking about. And there are others. And they're not just Democrats. Here is Bob Corker. Who, skid, who greased the skids for the Iran deal. Bob Corker is chairman of the Foreign Relations Committee, so desperate to get along with Robert Menendez and Cory Booker and all the Democrats on that committee. He writes the legislation at the direction of McConnell, who's hiding in the shadows, pushing this guy out front, that enables Obama to go around the treaty clause We have never had a nuclear deal, ever, that wasn't in the form of a treaty, because this deal was not going to be ratified by the United States Senate with 67 votes. Wasn't going to happen. So Bob Corker and Mitch McConnell in their shadows come to the rescue of the Obama administration, and rather than requiring 67 votes to ratify a treaty, he wrote the legislation so you would need a supermajority veto of two-thirds of the Senate, the same 67 votes, to undo, by statute, what Obama did in his Iran deal. 
Now, what's Corker make of all this information that Netanyahu laid out about how the Iranians lied, and apparently the Obama administration knew it? Cut four, go. We knew of the possible military dimensions of their program up until 2003. And, uh, the Obama administration, when they were negotiating the JCPOA, chose to not pursue that issue. But we've all known. I mean, it's like the biggest uh, known secret uh, uh, out there relative to their previous activity. You know, this guy is repugnant beyond belief. What he just confessed to is knowing the details of the Iranian nuclear weapons activity without informing the American people. We knew of the possible military dimensions, and yet the Iranians denied it in order to get the deal. So if we knew about it, if Corker knew about it, listen to this former CIA director, Michael Hayden, another complete disgrace. Cut five, go. Help me out on the Iran uh, side first. Yeah. Two points. The first one is, is this new? Is no. Netanyahu? No. No, it, it, it's not. I mean, I mean that we, we, we created a national intelligence estimate in 2007 that actually said that the Iranians had stopped the weaponization part of their program. Missiles still going on, centrifuges still spinning. But the actually building of the weapon, that they had stopped it in 2003. And, and I'm fond of saying we base that not on absence of evidence, but on evidence of absence. Now, we went on to say some dual-use stuff, some research went on, all right? They were hedging their bets. Listen to this idiot. And yet, if you just listened to the Netanyahu um, information released yesterday, he was wrong. They had an extensive nuclear military program going on when they said they did not. Not talking about dual use. We're not talking about dual use at all. <clears throat> now, what's interesting here is Pompeo, the former CIA director, just a week ago, now the Secretary of State says, okay, we've looked at the information. It's authentic. And he says they lied. The current administration is looking at information, actual, physical information that Mr. Hayden did not have, that Mr. Corker did not have. The blueprints. The propaganda, the talking points, how to conceal it, how to lie to the IAEA. All of it is laid out. And these guys, oh, ho-hum, we knew it. And yet they still cut the deal when Iran said none of this had taken place. How many Benedict Arnolds are, are there in this country? Apparently scores of them. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. We always knew the Iranians were lying on a massive scale. We always knew they had blueprints for nuclear weapons. We always knew this. We always knew they were working on nuclear warheads and nuclear bombs, that they had five nuclear bombs in preparation mode for development. Of course we knew all that. The fact that they lied to us repeatedly about it and lied to the UN repeatedly about it, the A-E-A-I-A-E-A yabba dabba do. It's of no consequence to us, and they laugh, and they smirk, and the media are absolutely 
incurious. Just go along the slobbering lapdogs of the progressive left. Like the New York Times owned by a Jewish family in the 1940s covering up the Holocaust. And so now we have the media today and many of leading Democrats, the Obama administration, the Carter sycophants and all the rest of them doing exactly the same damn thing, covering up what Iran is up to that is the same in many respects. You can help put a pocket copy of the Constitution in the hands of every public high high school and middle school student in the country. Why wouldn't you want to help with the effort, especially since Hillsdale College is spearheading this ambitious project? Now, many of you have taken one of Hillsdale College's free online courses on the Constitution, economics, history, and freedom. Others have attended the free regional events Hillsdale sponsors around the country. Some of you benefit from Hillsdale's free work with charter schools. Hillsdale does these things as part of their mission to help all Americans pursue truth and defend liberty, to help Americans become better citizens, to preserve freedom. Now they're reaching out to public schools by sending a copy of the Constitution and Declaration to every middle and high public school principal in America, along with this great offer to provide free copies for every student. This is the last week to help with the school project, so we really need your help to spread the word. Learn how you can help in this historic effort to reach America's youth with truth and how you can get your own copy of Hillsdale's Pocket Constitution to keep or give away at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. levinforhillsdale.com. Stick with me another powerful hour. We shall return. Broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello everybody, Mark Levin here, our number 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. I want to thank you, Levinites. My beloved audience, I want to thank you uh, for uh, watching our Fox show on Sunday. Life, Liberty, and Levin. Again, stellar ratings. CNN and MSNBC, they're figuring out, okay, what should we do? How are we going to deal with this? We're already getting copycats on radio and podcasting and so forth. This long-form interview format is not new, but I have I've breathed life back into it because I think it's very, very important that we do so. And that's why I have partnered with our friends at the Fox News Channel and came up with this idea that we should we should do it. Do something a little differently on Sunday nights. Interview really special people, some known, some unknown. Liberals, conservatives, libertarians, people who really don't identify as anything. But people who have an impact on society, who you may know, who you may not know, who you may agree with, who you may not agree with, but 
people who are interesting to listen to. And so we launched this, and soon thereafter, PBS announced that they were doing something like this. And then podcasters are announcing that they're going to do something like this. I say bring it on, baby, because it's the right thing to do. But there's one major difference between my show and all the, all the second-tier backbenchers, and that is... I'm not a second-tier backbencher. I've taken this format from the past. I've moved it to the front. And now we're going to improve the nature of this debate in the country. By digging into progressivism and digging into conservatism and digging into really interesting ideas and really awful ideas and exposing them. There are all kinds of copycats in this business. I tell you this all the time. And what I try to tell people who ask me all the time, how do I get into this business? I say, be yourself. Be innovative. Be cutting edge. And people will be interested. Or not. That's what you do. That's what we're constantly trying to do. So when I started this radio show at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, Nobody thought it would work. Why? Because it's 6 p.m. Eastern time. People have a thousand different things to do. They never thought it would turn into a massive program with magnificent, massive audience. The number three syndicated show in the country at 6 p.m.? Shouldn't that be the morning show or the mid-morning show or the this show? No. It's this show. Despite dinner, despite sports, despite a thousand obligations, people want to listen. And if you don't listen on your radio, you're listening on podcasts. We have millions and millions of people every month who listen to this program via podcast. And I'll even promote the podcast. We have millions more people who listen to this program on the Mark Levin app and iHeartRadio app. And we want to thank iHeartRadio for our partnership with them as well, as well as many other companies. And of course, we're on satellite radio with a wonderful relationship with our friends there at SiriusXM. When this program started, there was very little talk about the Constitution in any su- substantive, significant way or what the Declaration's principles actually meant or long-form discussions about history and economics. But that's what we do. Then we said, let's challenge TV. Let's go where the people are. And over the years, we developed Levin TV. Rather odd name for Levin, isn't it? The name of program, Levin TV. And that is what we did. Others followed. We created a website called Conservative Review. It wouldn't just post columns, although that's wonderful. But it would do more. It would link in with our TV products. 
and with my radio show to promote both. So we build a synergy. Now others do that. It's okay. The pioneers are the best. Trust me. And while others are trying to figure out what we've done, we're on to the next thing. And so I developed this Sunday show with a long-form interview. And then they come, as predicted, right behind me. But there's a difference. Just as there have been endless efforts over the last zillion years that I've been syndicated to take out my show or to neutralize it with other hosts, they've gone young, they've gone two hosts, a male and a female, a male and a male, a female, a female and a fail, and a male and whatever. The fact of the matter is, here I am. Stronger than ever before, thanks to you. Thanks to you. I've got other ideas too. Other ideas. Look at the publishing area. And books. Nobody writes books that are more thorough in research, more substantive. I wish they would. I've been talking about the death of the conservative intellectual movement. It's pretty dead. So they start talking about new forms of conservatism that apparently nobody figured out. New philosophies that apparently nobody's ever written about. It's all nonsense. It's all nonsense. We've got enough explaining to do, learning to do, informing to do, than to be pretenders. What I also try to do in this program, and sometimes it's beneficial, sometimes it's not, is to promote new talent. And to try, in some ways, to provide some guidance and mentoring here and there, because I'm not going to be around forever. And I'm certainly not jealous of younger people moving up. My day will come. Their day will come. But that's the way it works. So I want to thank you, folks. Uh, The Sunday program is really hitting on all cylinders. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing. Now I want to turn back here to the uh, to Comey. I, I Comey's getting increasingly bizarre, beyond his normal weirdness, isn't he? And he's completely out of the closet. Boy, is he a Trump hater? He is an enormous Trump hater, and he proves it constantly. And I don't know how many more. TV programs he's going to be on? Radio program. I know he won't be on mine. How many more radio programs? I just don't know. But here he is talking to Mike Allen. And I don't even know what... I guess he's on C-SPAN, but I don't know the original source. Maybe it was C-SPAN. I don't think it was, but nevertheless. Cut nine, go. Should Hillary Clinton have been charged with a crime? No. When she was interviewed, why wasn't she put under oath? Didn't matter whether she was under oath. The same thing I talked about with an interview of President Trump. Whether you're under oath or not, it's still a crime to lie during that interview. All right, all right. This this is what I mean about what a sleazeball this guy is. If you're under oath, you can be charged with perjury. If you're not under oath, you can be charged with a false statement. If you're under oath, you can be charged with both. And he knows that. 
Go ahead. And so it's inconsequential in terms of the strategy of the interviewers. Do you wish she'd won? Do I wish she'd won? Yeah, I, that's what I'm not going to answer, I don't think. Well, because you've said your family members do. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> what would your life be like if she'd won? I also don't know. All right, I, I, I want you to remember, this guy's become sort of a perverse pop star, a cultural star, and I want you to keep in mind something. Uh, he used to be hated by these people who are laughing, the clapping seals, the media, the Democrats, because they, as you well know, accused him of Hillary's loss. Until they realized, well, Hillary lost. Forget about her. Now we got to get Trump. So this guy's a complete chameleon. He's not funny at all. He's pathetic. Go ahead. I think I would still be the FBI director. Why is that a good thing? We know he leaked. Why is that a good thing? He'd still be the FBI. Can you imagine this clown as the FBI director today? All right. Here he is again. Cut 10. Go. What would happen to the investigation if President Trump issued preemptive pardons? I don't know. It's as... <laughs> all the time we have. Thank you. <laughs> uh, do, uh, uh, can you imagine that happening? Like, does that sound, uh, does that look possible to you? Sure. Yeah. The world we're in, I can't imagine myself saying that in any other environment, but it, sure, it's possible. Based on what's happened... This is so... You know what, Mr. Comey? You're actually smart in one respect. You really are. Not coming on this program. Because stupid questions like this, I wouldn't even ask you. How long have you known Mr. Comey, Mr. Mueller? What's your relationship with Mr. Mueller? Did you urge Rod Rosenstein to appoint Mr. Mueller? Did you talk to Mr. Mueller at any time before his appointment? What discussions have you had with Mr. Mueller since his appointment? What discussions did you have with Mr. Rosenstein before he fired you? What discussions did you have with Mr. Rosenstein after he fired you, if any? Don't you think Mr. Rosenstein should have recused himself? Tell me, uh, Mr. Comey, you had no idea that your deputy was a leaker? You had no idea that Mr. Stroke and Ms. Page were conspiring against a political candidate? Is that what we expect from an FBI director? Is that how you manage your affairs? Tell me, Mr. Comey, why weren't you interested in knowing who funded the dossier? Wouldn't any first-year FBI agent want to know that? Tell me, Mr. Comey, when you signed off on the FISA warrant and deceived a federal judge, didn't you have an obligation to go back to the federal judge? If you thought the information about the prostitutes was so important in the dossier that you raised it with the President of the United States, why didn't you raise this information with the FISA judge? When you met with the President of the United States, 
and you only took that tiny little piece of information out of the entire dossier rather than telling him exactly what was in the dossier and who funded it. It was your intention to blackmail him, wasn't it? That is, to leave the impression with the President of the United States that you had salacious, unverified information and he asked you to tell the American people that it was not true, which you found kind of awkward for some reason. And that information, of course, was leaked, the fact of the meeting to the CNN so it could run with the dossier. The whole purpose was to hold it over his head, wasn't it? Which is exactly what you did. And tell me, Mr. Comey, uh, your professor friend who you hired and to whom you leaked information to leak to the New York Times, you put him in criminal jeopardy, didn't you? Now, we all know that all leaks may not contain classified information. That's been your position. If you leak government information that is proprietary to the government, if you leak or take government information, yes, information you create, on government time and so forth. That's a violation of federal law, despite your denials. You've placed in jeopardy, haven't you? Your professor friend. Have you leaked to anyone else about anything else in the media, Mr. Comey? Non-classified, classified or otherwise? The questions go on and on and on and on. And this guy, Mike Allen, could care less. The audience is laughing. They're having a wonderful time. It's like a Bernie Sanders rally. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Breaking news up on Drudge, Washington Compost, more leaks. In a tense meeting in early March with special counsel, President Trump's lawyers insisted he had no obligation to talk with federal investigators probing Russia's interference in the 2016 presidential campaign. But special counsel Robert Mueller responded that he had another option if Trump declined. He could issue a subpoena for the president to appear before a grand jury, according to four people familiar with the encounter. Mueller's warning, the first time he's known to have mentioned a possible subpoena to Trump's legal team, spurred a sharp retort from John Dowd, then the president's lead lawyer. This isn't some game, Dowd said, according to two people with knowledge of his comments. You're screwing with the work of the president of the United States. The flare-up set in motion weeks of turmoil among Trump's lawyers as they debated how to deal with the special counsel's request for an interview a dispute that ultimately led to Dowd's resignation. In the wake of the testy March 5 meeting, Mueller's team agreed to provide the president's lawyers with more specific information about the subjects that prosecutors wished to discuss with the president. With those details in hand, Trump lawyer Jay Sekulow compiled a list of 49 questions that the team believed the president would be asked. So in other words, they consult with Mueller's team they go on and on about what they want to ask, and Sekolo puts this list of 49 questions together. Now, the New York Times first reported the existence of the list. The questions focus on events during the Trump campaign. Well, you know, we went through them. 
Now Trump's newly reconfigured legal team is pondering how to address the special counsel's queries, all while assessing the potential evidence of obstruction that Mueller might present in contending with a client who's grown increasingly opposed to sitting down with the special counsel. So these issues, according to this report, were pulled together by Sekulow on his team. And I wonder if those were shared with the special counsel's office if they go back and forth and back and forth to try and figure out how to protect his presidency from a rogue prosecutor who is seeking to prove obstruction by trapping the president. These are dire, dire, frightening times. We'll be right back. If you turn off your radio and open the window, you can probably hear him straight from the studio. Call Mark Levin at 877-381-3811. Well, it looks like my theory is half right and half off. About these 49 questions. Are they impeachment? The setup for impeachment? Yes. But it's very interesting when you read this article. It's rather nebulous in some respects. I'm trying to find the uh, section here that these topics were put together. Here it is. In the wake of the testy March 5 meeting, Mueller's team agreed to provide the president's lawyers with more specific information about the subjects that prosecutors wish to discuss with the president. With those details in hand, with those details in hand, Trump lawyer Jay Sekulow compiled a list of 49 questions that the team believed the president would be asked. So in other words, they are compiled from the discussions that they had with Mueller's people and Mueller. The 49. And so you can see that it is unlikely Mueller's team leaked it. Somebody on Trump's team leaked it to get the information out there, if this article is correct. However, those 49 questions or general areas of questioning is what they are, which could lead to 490 more questions. That's the impeachment strategy, the obstruction strategy. So that's right. So half off as to who leaked it, but, but right as to the purpose. This is the impeachment strategy. Now, at the very end of the article, and you have to go to the very end, some legal experts believe that two Justice Department opinions prohibit federal prosecutors, including Mueller. Oh, for crying out loud. The damn thing just closed out on me. Believe that? Hold on, I got to pull it back up. Yeah, hold on one second. I'm getting it. Oh, there it is. Some legal experts believe that two Justice Department opinions prohibit federal prosecutors, including Mueller, from charging a president with a crime. Instead, they said, the Constitution relies on Congress's power to impeach as the route to hold a president accountable for potentially criminal behavior. Trump's lawyers could then argue that he cannot be forced to testify under subpoena unless his testimony is necessary to indict someone else. Now, who's been making that case now for over a year? At least the first part of it, me. And I dug those, dusted off those two opinions from the Department of Justice about a year ago. 
I brought it up on this show. I brought it up on Fox. I brought it up on Hannity's show two or three weeks ago again. And when I'm on Hannity this week, which is likely again, because he wants me on every Thursday night, I will bring it up again. And there's one other aspect of this. I can hear all the ears listening in Radioland. And it's this. Mr. Mueller is compelled to comply with Department of Justice rules, procedures, and policies. And policies. I am unaware that the Department of Justice has withdrawn either one of those memos. And while it could raise constitutional issues, the issue is whether Mr. Rosenstein is going to enforce those memos. And since I can't get Mr. Rosenstein on this program to give a damn interview, let's hope somebody else who somehow manages to get him in front of a microphone or a TV camera will ask him the live-in question. Is it or is it not the policy of the United States Department of Justice under those Office of Legal Counsel memos that a president cannot be indicted by Republican administration? and a Democrat administration. And you don't have the power to overrule those. You're the Deputy Attorney General. I don't trust the courts, I must tell you. I don't trust the courts. But here the President has been put in an impossible situation and he has done absolutely nothing wrong. This is a complete setup. An absolute setup. And let me tell you something. You're going to start to hear a choir of Republicans who are running for the hills, scared for themselves. They're rats who believe they'll jump a sinking ship in order to protect themselves when in fact they drown. We'll next be calling on the President of the United States to submit to this prosecutor. Even though It is constitutionally loathsome. Constitutionally loathsome. They're messing around with the office of the presidency. They're messing around with the electorate. They're messing around with 60-some million people who voted for this president. This will not go down well. This will not go down easily. This is not Watergate. It's Watergate in reverse. That the victim is being targeted by the machinery of government. You know, if you shower or brush your teeth or try to make your hair look presentable, here's some good news. Dollar Shave Club has a lot of stuff to help you out. Dollar Shave Club delivers everything you need to look, feel, and smell your best. Shampoo, conditioner, body wash, toothpaste, and hair gel. All of Dollar Shave Club's products are made with top-shelf ingredients that won't break your budget. You feel the difference. Plus, shipping is free with your membership. And here's a great way to try a bunch of Dollar Shave Club's products. For just 5 bucks. you can get their Daily Essentials Starter Set. It comes with body cleanser, their world-famous shave butter, and their best razor, the Six Blade Executive. Keep the blades coming for a few more bucks a month and add in shampoo, toothpaste, or anything else you need. Check it all out. 
at dollarshaveclub.com slash mark. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash mark, dollarshaveclub.com slash mark. This is why Schumer from day one demanded a special counsel. He knew where it would leave. All right. Let's go to Thomas in Somerset, New Jersey on the great WABC. How are you, sir? Thank you, Mark. God bless you and good health to you. Mark, I I really think the only difference between John Wilkes Booth and Robert Mueller is one used used the gun and the other is using a corrupt department. There's no need to go there. And then I have all these monitoring groups say that I allowed a guy on the air to compare Mueller to John Wilkes Booth. I appreciate your call, but you just went a couple of steps too far. Let us go to David, Richmond, Virginia, on the Mark Levin app. How are you? Hey, Mark. Great to hear, you know, talk to you. Thanks for Thank letting you. me on. And Thank you. I just got a couple of quick uh, points to make. You know, since um, Hillary used this great excuse when she was being questioned years ago, but I don't recall. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't remember. Is there any way that if Trump is foolish enough to sit down with Mueller, he can use that, or is that illegal? It's not illegal. There's just a point at which <clears throat> it becomes an assertity, and you can't say it to every question. She did. And, uh, look, it's very dicey. This would not be a couple-hour interview. This would this could go on two, three, four days. I'm just so hacked up what's going on. I, 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 I don't blame you, and, I, and I, I, don't, I do not think. Tell me if you agree with me, David. I do not think that the establishment in Washington, that these Democrat prosecutors, that the media based in Washington and New York comprehend what they're messing around with. I don't believe they get it. There are tens of millions of people in this country who are disgusted with what's taking place. They're destroying the nation. They don't, but they don't even care. They That's do not care. Because, because remember, the whole progressive ideology is to destroy the status quo and replace it with their nirvana. Exactly. And destroying Trump is perfectly fine by them. Twisting the rule of law, um, taking out a president in a coup. I've been calling this damn thing a silent coup from day one. It's exactly what it is. I've listened to you for a while, and I agree. And I have one other little question. Yes, sir. To make it quick. Um we know that this whole investigation is based on a lie, right? Yes. Everything. So why doesn't Trump and his lawyers want to not tell these guys to go pound sand? Okay. See? You know why? Because he'll be impeached. That's why. You do that? I said he'll be impeached. That's why. Yeah, I know. But do you think that... Okay, I got it. Okay. I, you know, that's you see, they're, they're kind of boxing him in with the help of the republic. Rosenstein was appointed by Trump. Now, Trump never knew who Rosenstein was. I'm still wondering who recommended Rosenstein to Trump. Do you know? Heck no. I have no idea. Who the, where the hell did this Rosenstein come from? It was a mistake. Obviously. It was a horrible mistake. All right, my friend. Thank you for your call. Let's go to Jerry, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, the great WKST. Go. 
Yes, Mark, everything you're talking about is so important and so interesting. I wish I could comment on everything, but I'm going to stick with what I uh, told your uh, screener about. Uh, you were talking about the Democratic Party turning into an anti-Semitic party. And I agree with you 100%, and the prototype for that is the British Labor Party and Jeremy Corbyn. It's already become an anti-Semitic party, and the British Jews are just starting to fight back now. But I think it may be too late there. Now, whether it's too late to keep the Democratic Party from moving in that direction, I don't know. But uh, you're absolutely right about that. And uh, I've called up many senators to warn them about that, Democratic senators, even Schumer. And they listen to me. They uh, Sometimes they're polite. Sometimes they just uh, hang up on me. Listen to me. Schumer couldn't be the Democrat leader if he wasn't appeasing this attitude. I know that. But, uh, you know, Elizabeth Warren, Cory Booker, uh, Kirsten Gillibrand, Kamala Harris, they're the ones they keep talking about running for president on a Democratic ticket. And every one of them, I think, is hostile to Israel and hostile well, to At the Jew Democratic convention, which flag was flown, the Israeli flag or the Palestinian flag? Palestinian flag. I remember Correct. that. Sure. Palestinian flag. Every now and then they even thought about flying the American flag. You have all these, you were talking about the college campuses where you have the radical leftist students and professors and the Muslim students and professors ganging up against the Jewish students and professors. They are ultimately going to become the new leaders of the Democratic Party. And when that happens, the Democratic Party is going to turn into the largest anti-Semitic organization on earth. All right, sir. Thank you for your call. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. I mean, can you imagine threatening the President of the United States with a subpoena like this? What a bunch of mob thugs. That's what they are. Mob thugs. Mob lawyers. If you question them, then they question your integrity. It's, it's, it's typical. You know, more than one million children became victims of identity theft in 2017. Children. And pe- families paid $540 million out of pocket to cover the costs of the fraud. Kids' identities are worth tons on the black market. Did you know that? Thieves open accounts and parents don't find out for years, often when they apply for financial aid for college. It's horrific. With school and medical records now digitized and even young kids routinely online, the risk is growing faster than ever. But you don't need to worry. You can protect your family, including your kids, right now with My ID Care. My ID Care covers you for the nine types of identity theft, including child ID theft with great family plans. And they provide a 100% identity recovery guarantee or your money back. Now, who else does that? Nobody. That's the difference between My ID Care from the other guys. You need top tier identity recovery. And they stand by it with their guarantee. This is why my ID care has been the number one protector of corporate information. You and your kids need protection. You need my ID care. Learn more and get 15% off at my ID care slash mark. My ID care slash mark or call their toll free number, which was set up exclusively for you and my audience. That's 866 866- Three three four, three zero eight four, eight six six 
334-3084 or go to myidcare.com slash mark. I would do it immediately. You see all this cyber stuff going on? You can't rely on somebody else to protect you. The government, for sure, protect yourself. All right. As we go into the waning minutes of the program tonight, let's take a few good callers. I'm trying my best to pull them up. Let's see. David, Los Angeles, California, 870 The Answer, our great affiliate there. Go. Yeah, Mark. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be on again. Um, you got it. My comments were with respect to the interview with um, with Netanyahu, and um, it's just shocking how the left and their demented perspective of going after those who try to protect themselves. It's the same as they do on the guns. There, you have the law-abiding citizens with guns trying to protect themselves. They attack the gun owners. You have Israel, who's a good neighbor, who's trying to protect itself. And they're not the ones making the threat, as Iran has. They're not the largest sponsor of terrorism, as Iran is. They're not the ones waging and supporting those wars in the Middle East. Let's be blunt. Let's be blunt. They're soft on crime. They're soft on communism. And in the end, they're soft on terrorism. Absolutely. And, you know, how long would it be where if Como was threatened here in the United States if it was Iran making a threat on his family. Then he would have more concern than he does for the nah, whole No, no, he's a moron. Uh, trust me on this. He's a moron. He gets dumber by the day. All right, thank you for your call. Let's go to Dave, Madison, Wisconsin, on the Mark Levin app. Go right ahead, sir. Mr. Levin, it's truly an honor to speak with you, as many have said in the past. Um, thank you, sir. Last night's show was just fantastic. I podcast it, and I listened to it twice. Like Thank Jimmy you. from, I don't know where he was from, sir, but he was fantastic. The woman from, I believe, Harlem that's writing the book. Barbara, fantastic. Jimmy, they have been long-time listeners, callers, wonderful people. And let me say this. I've been a Trump supporter since, since his foot hit the escalator step. Uh, I've been following you for about four months now, and I am living Levin on a daily basis. I've purchased your book, Rediscovering Americanism, which I think you bring every night to the show. And Thank you're, you. you're an encourager and a generator of American. Now, you know, I backed Cruz during the primary. You know who keeps reminding me of that? Or keeps. The last time I met him, Trump. He says, now you did back Cruz. I said, yeah, but in the general, I backed you. He said, oh, no question about it. He has a long memory. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be a Levin TV subscriber on, starting on Friday, so I'm living Levin on a daily basis. And I cannot tell you how much I appreciate your words and how you make me feel like there is hope and there is something better for all of us. That are well, well, thank you, Dave. And there you are in Madison, a well-known uh, right-wing town there. Oh, tell me about it. But you are the one that brings the peace and serenity that makes me wake up in the morning and go, there is some hope in this. And I'm also a Dollar, Club, Dollar Shave Club guy. They're pretty darn good, yeah. aren't they? They are awesome, sir, and you are the best in the West, in East and South and North. Oh, man, you're, you're great. I appreciate it. People think you're a set-up caller, you know, but we know better, don't we, Dave? I'm not. Thanks again, Dave. I really appreciate it. You're very, very kind, as is everyone in my beloved audience. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. We will be back here tomorrow duking it out, and I hope you'll join us. God bless you all. 